Welcome back to Screen Time. I'm Ro Khan. And I'm Richard Roper. Hooray for Hollywood. The Oscars are Sunday. <laughs> Settle down. <laughs> We're going to go through our ballot. Now, we did do this contest, Beat the Experts. You could have gone to AmericanEagle.com slash ballot and filled out your own competitive document to take us on. That's all closed now. We're going to tell you who we are voting for officially so that it's all legal and yeah. the people who win, win. You know, that's that's the kind of thing that goes on here. A lot of folks are still filling out their ballots for their various office pools or competitions. So we're going to help you out. We're going to give you your very own podcast cheat sheet in all 23 categories. Not 24. That's right. 23. Because sound mix and sound edit have been combined into sound. We are not going to roll through all of the nominees except in the very, very big categories. So don't worry. It's not going to be a bunch of names you never heard of. But we'll tell you who we think are going to win those categories. Yep. Because Richard Roper has seen all of those movies. Yep. And I have seen most, if not all, of those movies for legal purposes. I don't think I can make any other claim. There you go. Reminding you that the Rowan Roper Podcast brought to you by AmericanEagle.com. The digital landscape is changing rapidly and to compete in today's business environment you need an experienced partner since 1995 americaneagle.com has partnered with companies of all sizes offering web design development e-commerce mobile apps digital marketing which drives your overall business success because they believe today's online world is your opportunity visit americaneagle.com to get started today so let's start with the big ones best picture you've got the father judas and the black messiah mank Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, Trial of the Chicago 7. And the best picture will be Nomadland. I know that's the front runner, so I'm not going out on a limb here. I think Trial of the Chicago 7 has an outside chance, but uh, Nomadland is a film. It's a great American film. It's a, a story that I think has resonated with a lot of people. It's beautifully directed, beautifully acted, and I do believe it's going to be a best picture winner. And that's a great representative uh, for 2020 slash 2021 don't pay any attention to the made-up controversy around this there are people both on the left and the right that are mad about this because people both on the left and right are mad about everything yeah they wanted it some people wanted it to be about something else and the depiction of amazon and they say there's things in the book that aren't in the movie and my spoiler alert for you is every single book that has been turned into a movie in the history of hollywood certain things from the book don't make it into the movie if who are you, you calling in this one if you are going to do two ballots. You know, like March Madness, how you choose all the sure. other teams, and okay, then you realize yeah. You're halfway ballot. through, yeah. you are, you've actually gone for all the same teams. Yes. I'm calling out Minari, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Because last year, the Academy, when Parasite won, showed that they don't mind doing a film that is almost exclusively in a foreign language, that has really universal international themes. Minari is the great immigrant movie of the 21st century. In the same vein of In America and Avalon, it tells a story of people who have come to the United States to make a better life. But this has the stark realities of rural versus the urban cultures in America, which are at conflict. It's really a brilliant film, and it will break your heart. It will make your heart. And there is a young child who steals the show. Well, that's a great point. Uh, it's a period piece with so many real-world parallels. Uh, and you know what? It would be pretty cool if Minari won. Either one of those two, I think, would be make for a fantastic best picture. All right, so best director often 
follows Best Picture, or at least it used to traditionally, and yep. then Hollywood went away from that for basically the entire 21st century. But here are your nominees. Thomas Vinterberg, Another Round, David Fincher, Mank, Lee Isaac Chung, Minari, Chloe Zhao, Nomadland, and Emerald Fennell, Promising Young Woman. I do think Chloe Zhao is going to win for Nomadland. They will go hand in hand. Uh, she will become only the second female director to win for directing Best Picture. Uh, the first was Catherine Bigelow for The Hurt Locker. Believe it or not, it's been 11 years. That was a 2010 film, The Hurt Locker. But I do believe that Chloe Zhao is going to win. And it is, we've talked about this row, even though Nomadland touches on a lot of stark and some tough realities, it's a beautiful film and the direction is beautifully done. And, and Chloe Zhao takes a story that's very complex and never dumbs it down but has a beautiful sense of pacing, too, because we get moments of dark humor and even a little bit of a hint of a romance and wonderfully uplifting moments of friendship, and she just really knows how to parcel out a story. I'm going to put that in my ballot, but your sneak here is Emerald Fennell for Promising Young Woman because they are really marketing her. And people love the idea, although even though Emerald Fennell is not in the same category of fame as, for example, uh, Robert Redford when he won for Directing Ordinary People or Kevin Costner with Dances with Wolves. Uh, she is an actress. She played Camilla Parker in The Crown. So people always think, and voters always think it's cool, especially a lot of the actors, which is still the largest branch of the Academy. They're like, ooh, an actor is nominated for directing. I'm going to direct one day myself. <laughs> That's true. All right. Best Actress in a Leading Role, Viola Davis, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Andre Day for United States versus Billy Holiday, Vanessa Kirby for Pieces of a Woman, Frances McDormand for Nomadland, and Carrie Mulligan, Promising Young Woman. I say it is going to be Carrie Mulligan for Promising Young Woman. Vanessa Kirby, as much as I love the performance in the film, is the only one here, Roe, whose name would shock me if it were called out on Oscars night. Any of those other four performances really wouldn't be considered that much of an upset. Said it before, saying it again, your upset here is Andra Day. Actor in a leading role, Riz Ahmed, Sound of Metal, Chadwick Boseman, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Anthony Hopkins, The Father, Gary Oldman for Mank, and Stephen Yoon for Minari. Ever since the movie came out, it's been a foregone conclusion that Chadwick Boseman is going to win for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, the late Chadwick Boseman. He should win, he will win, and it will certainly make for one of the most emotionally resonant moment of these Academy Awards. If there is a sneak, it's Anthony Hopkins for The Father, which probably in any other year yeah. would be his award to lose. This year, he is in the middle to the bottom of the pack. But you never know. Hollywood is still Hollywood. They sometimes give it to the old guy just they thinking do. this could be the end. I think if the Academy hadn't expanded their membership a few years ago to go younger and more diverse, that would be even a bigger chance of an upset. Actor in a supporting role, Sasha Baron Cohen, Daniel Kaluuya. Leslie Odom Jr., Paul Racy, and Lakeith Stanfield. Now, Lakeith Stanfield and Daniel Kaluuya are in the same movie. I always think that circumstance cancels both out. That could happen. I do think Daniel Kaluuya is going to win for Judas and the Black Messiah. It's a, such a strong performance. And he is kind of the co-lead, although Lakeith Stanfield, a lot of people thought, would have been in the best actor category. But I do think Daniel wins here. Sasha Baron Cohen is your sneak pick right there. Oh, just you just want him to Hollywood win. Hollywood. See what he does him. when he wins. I guess he'll be in London, uh, you know, at the, at the remote locale for that. It would be incredible if he won. He really should be in Kazakhstan. Oh, well. That's where he should be doing it from. <laughs> On a really bad Zoom That connection. would really be funny. Yeah.
Best Supporting Actress, Maria Bakalova for Borat, Glenn Close, Hillbilly Elegy, Olivia Coleman, The Father, Amanda Seyfried, Mank, and Yu Jung Yoon for Minari. And I do think Yu Jung Yoon will win for Minari. We've talked about how much uh, we love the film and the performances. I think this is the Academy's way of honoring the movie, which will probably fall short in the other categories. But it's a wonderful performance by a beloved actress, and it's also the kind of role that's just made for an Academy Award. And again, your sneak there is Maria Bakalova because there has been so much money and effort put behind her, not only getting nominated, but now trying to get her across the finish line. It's interesting because when that movie came out, everybody knows who Sasha Baron Cohen is, but a lot of people were questioning whether or not that was actually an actor performing a role or if he had just found somebody and put her in the film. And it's like, no, she's actually an accomplished actress. That's great. Adaptive screenplay, you got Borat, subsequent movie film, The Father, Nomadland, One Night in Miami, and The White Tiger. I think Nomadland wins for Best Adapted Screenplay. We talked a little bit about the controversy. It's a nonfiction book that was turned into a movie, but actually I think they did a brilliant job of taking this very rich and fertile material but making it cinematic, which is not an easy challenge. Original screenplay, Judas and the Black Messiah, Minari, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, The Trial of the Chicago 7. Trial of the Chicago 7 will win for Best Original Screenplay for Aaron Sorkin, who won for The Social Network who always knows how to take real-life stories and turn them into something pretty special on film. And again, Ro, I think it's not going to win for Best Picture. It's not going to win in some of the other categories, but it will win for screenplay. Your sneak here is Promising Young Woman. Yeah, yeah. That's going to have quite a night potentially here. It is so unblinking, that script, that performance, the editing of that film, the directing of that film. It takes you to a place that is interesting, exhilarating, disgusting, plays on all your emotions, yeah. and you kind of walk away from it changed. Well, if it does win for Best Original Screenplay, of course all the votes are already in, but it's almost like a political race. If you see something winning early in races you didn't expect it to win, it could be signs of a bigger upset down the road. So if Promising Young Woman wins for Screenplay, then all of a sudden we hear maybe some other mentions of it in the larger categories we talked about. There you go. Cinematography, who wins that? Mank wins. Uh, it is a beautiful black and white film. It's you know just gorgeous to look at, and it's, a, it's an homage to a certain period of Hollywood. It's the most nominated film, but I don't think it's going to win a lot of Academy Awards, but it will win for cinematography. News of the World, I believe, is your sneak. It's got that old Western cinematography to yeah, it that, yeah. that really reigned the day in the 1950s and 60s. Yeah, and it puts us right in that uh, 19th century period where you just immediately believe that we've traveled back in time to that specific time and place. Are the mountains CG in that? Do you think? I believe not. All right. I'd like to know because <laughs> I found out some movies that I really love of the modern era have been completely CG, and I'm disappointed when I find when out. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah. it tricked me. Best animated feature, Onward, Over the Moon, a Shaun the Sheep movie, Farmageddon, Soul, and Wolfwalkers. It's always tough for the competition when Pixar has an entry, and I think once again with Soul, they will win. It is a beautiful film. It deserves to win. There are no sneaks here. Yeah. Soul wins. Yeah. Documentary feature. All five of the documentary nominees are terrific, but if you're filling out your ballot, check off time. I hate to tell you you're wrong, Richard Roper. The huh. winner here is going to be my octopus teacher. People have seen that movie. Yeah. They talk to their friends and their family about that movie. 
And they stopped eating octopus because of that movie. Oh, wow. Well, I will say this. Uh, through the years, my track record for best documentary feature truly sucks. <laughs> I will acknowledge that. People, take this one to the bank. My <laughs> octopus teacher. Best original score to Five Bloods, Mank, Minari, News of the World, and Soul. I do think Soul will win there, but that is another one where to Five Bloods, which was overlooked virtually everywhere else, could get an Academy Award for an incredible score. I'm going to go with Soul. Original song? Speak Now from One Night in Miami. It is a great marriage of song and story. This one always gets me. Animated short. No one ever gets this right if you haven't seen them all. Yeah, uh, and with that being said, I think if anything happens, I love you wins. I have seen all of these. They're all wonderful. I mean, the talent that you see in the animated short, the documentary shorts, uh, live action shorts, a lot of times those are people who will go on to direct feature films and do other great work. But for best animated short, if anything happens, I love you wins. What's the name of it? Live action short. Two Distant Strangers. Two Distant Strangers wins for live action short. Documentary short. A love song for Latasha. Film editing. Uh, the Trial of Chicago 7, I think, is going to win for film editing. Uh, they do take a, a complex story that happens over a two-year period in the 60s, and they go back and forth between the trial, the events at the 1968 Democratic Conventions, uh, the build-up to it, and it's just done in a way, for those who don't know the story, I don't want to say it makes it easy to follow along, but it's very pristine and precise editing. Promising Young Woman. This is not even a sneak. I think this wins oh, wow. outright. Okay. Best Sound. Yes, this is the category that is now the combination of sound mixing and sound editing because those two professions have overlapped so much. And the natural choice here is Sound of Metal, a terrific film. It is about a rock drummer who is losing his hearing, so obviously sound plays such an integral role. And again, it's not going to win in the other categories that it's nominated for. So it'll be cool if Sound of Metal wins because they can always say Academy Award winner, and that's always a great thing for a motion picture. The sneak here is Greyhound. Greyhound, which is the Tom Hanks World War II drama. International feature film. International feature film, another round out of Denmark. And I, I want to mention this quickly, Ro, because people talk about, you know, they used to call it best foreign film. International feature film is now the official title. And a lot of people say, oh, gosh, I don't, I don't want to see those. They're always so serious. And I have to do reading. And, you know, I, I have to pay attention because you have to actually look at the subtitles. Uh Another round is a film about a bunch of middle-aged guys who decide that they're going to follow Hemingway's philosophy of drinking, which is you start at 8 a.m. and you stop <laughs> at 6 p.m., and that somehow is going to be a way to contain your alcoholism. So it's a crazy-ass <laughs> film, and Mads Mikkelsen, who's a great actor, who has been in tons of stuff, people remember as a villain in, in the Bond movie, Casino Royale, mm -hmm. is the star of this film. He's done a lot of great work on television and in movies through the years, and it's a brilliant performance. Uh, it's the kind of film where I look at it and it's like it's I think it's very accessible it's it's cool that it's gotten uh, nominations in some other categories and I wouldn't be surprised if we get the obligatory American remake with four big name American stars a few years down the road costume design costume design Ma Rainey's Black Bottom it's a period piece you know the costume design almost always goes to something that's set in the 1920s in America or Victorian England mm-hmm so I'm going with Emma on that particular one. Okay. Although, I think this may be the only one Mank wins. Mank, as you Costume mentioned, design. is the most nominated of all the films here. It's got to win something because you hate that headline of most nominated gets yeah. completely squinched. 
There's a lot of really fancy old Hollywood stuff in this. Yeah, could win. Makeup yeah. and hairstyling. Makeup hairstyling uh, often do go hand in hand with costume design. It would be a shame if someone did great costume design and then the makeup and hairstyling sucked. <laughs> well, she looked good for the neck down, but they really blew it. Uh, but I do think Ma Rainey's Black Bottom will win for best makeup and hairstyling as well. All right, now production design. That is one where I think where you're talking about Mank, that Mank does win. Uh, it does have incredible production design because not only do we see the recreation of like old Hollywood and the studio system, but even movie sets. And again, that gorgeous, beautiful, silvery, black and white cinematography just adds to the look of the production design. You might be right about that, but I'm going to go with a sneak of Tenet, one of the most talked about movies of the year. Yeah, that was the Christopher Nolan film that uh, actually played in theaters last year because he insisted on it playing. Uh, did pretty well internationally. I really admired it. I still don't know what the hell it was about. Not supposed I, to. I've watched it forward and backward and mm -hmm. with the sound on and off, but it certainly has a great look to it. It's the 2001 A Space Odyssey of this generation. You don't have to know what happened. You just okay. have to let it wash over you. And then finally, visual effects. Tenet. We just talked about Tenet. Yes. It's only nominated in these two categories. And it will win for visual effects. They're very visual and they're effective. Yes, that's true. I don't want to get too technical here. Yeah, well, <laughs> I got to tell you, again, it's it's one of those things. Just let it happen. Yep. Watch it and let it happen. Because you will walk away and you'll go, I don't know why I love it, but I do. We'll tell you what not to watch this weekend <laughs> and the Thursday three. But first, Portillo's. Known for their famous Chicago hot dogs with all the freshest and tastiest ingredients, right down to the poppy seed bun. And of course, the legend itself, the chocolate cake. Again, my friends, if you want to order something for your Oscar party, get the chocolate cake from Portillo's. The menu is bursting with a mouth-watering variety of favorites from the charbroiled burgers, Italian beef sandwiches, cheese fries, chopped salads, a Chicagoland favorite since 1963. Portillo's also has locations throughout the Midwest and in Florida, California, and Arizona. Order for curbside pickup or delivery today. Ship Portillo's anywhere in the U.S. of A. by ordering at portillos.com. Com. What not to watch, Richard Roper? Let's start with Monday. And that is not only a day of the week, but it's the title of a movie that shows how uninspired the film is. This stars uh, Sebastian Stan. Everybody knows him from The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Mm -hmm. And I like the setup for this row. He plays an American expat. He's living in Greece. He's making a living as a DJ. He's one of these bohemian dudes who's 35, doesn't want to grow up. And he meets another American uh, a gal from Cleveland who's been working as a lawyer there, and they have this crazy, wild weekend, sexually promiscuous, mm -hmm. you're the best thing that's ever happened to me, let's rip our clothes off and wind up naked on the beach in Greece, and it's all fantastic. And then she's supposed to go to Chicago, she's supposed to leave Greece, go to Chicago to start a new job, and he races to the airport to stop her and tell her to stay. Now, that would normally be the whole movie, right? But mm -hmm. this happens in the first 20 minutes, so the intriguing premise here is what happens after that movie-like thing where the guy who's just met the gal 72 hours later is like, stay, change your life, let's live our lives together. And then what happens? Well, what happens is it turns out that they're both insufferable, narcissistic boors who deserve each other. And they're the kind of couple that you always debate about, should we invite them to the wedding? Should we invite them to brunch? Do you want them over? Because... There's an equal chance that they're either going to make out in the bathroom or get into a giant fight. And if you don't want to spend time I've with the couple. I've been that couple. Yes. So I know I mean, all about you know, it. Unfortunately, probably most of us have. But 
if you don't want to spend time with a couple like that in real life, why would you want to spend a whole movie? So that's why I'm saying to you, don't watch this. It'll make you cringe. Monday. And then there's Shadow and Bone. Now, this is a new series on Netflix that's getting a lot of hype, bro. This is yet another entry in the historical, fictional, fantasy genre. So you have all these good-looking people. Some of them have superpowers. They're crossing from this landing to that cove, and they got all those <laughs> maps like they do on Game of Thrones. Now, we just talked about Tenant, and you know, even Game of Thrones, with which we both loved, there were certain moments where it was hard to keep track of sure. what Lannister was doing, what to this yeah. person and what kingdom. But it was so cool and wonderful you went with this. This series, I'm saying don't watch it because from episode one, they just assume that you read the books. So they're all talking about using different terms and different things. And I was like, I don't want to do so much friggin' research before I watch a show. I found it to be kind of dark and murky and way too confusing and not involving enough for me to say, you know what, I'm going to stick with it for 10 more episodes. Is this from the Game of Thrones? No, it's not in that universe. It's from a different series of books, but it's clearly aiming for that audience. And now things you should be watching this weekend, the Thursday 3. Let's start with Sasquatch. This is a Hulu limited series. It's a crime documentary. It follows the trail of an intrepid investigative journalist who's investigating a series of murders that took place in Northern California, what they call the Emerald Triangle. It was a very fertile ground for marijuana farms, especially in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. At first, they were run by hippies, and then uh, some drug lords and crime lords came in there because it was big business. And the story was a number of workers on these farms had been torn apart, perhaps even by Bigfoot himself, Sasquatch. Now, that sounds like this is going to be some sort of crazy conspiracy theorist documentary, but they quickly kind of get away from the Bigfoot stuff. They talk to some Bigfoot believers, but then it turns out that there was a real bad actor living in that area who had the nickname of Bigfoot who might have been responsible for the crimes, or perhaps they were committed by other terrible characters. So it goes deep diving into that takes us into the crazy drug wars. At one point in the 1990s, the DEA fully militarized. Helicopters armed came swooping down on these farms, making mm -hmm. arrests. So there was a lot of craziness there, but we're still pursuing this shadowy legend about whether or not these three guys were murdered in 1993. Fascinating stuff. It's called Sasquatch. What a great exonerating principle for a defense attorney. Your Honor... My client could not have killed him. It was Sasquatch, the Bigfoot, you know. They even have, there was that famous film people have seen from like 1967. These two guys caught, they, remember this, there's, a, there's footage of what appears to be a Sasquatch walking along a creek in mm -hmm. that area. And it to me, it looks like a guy in a suit. Yeah, those might be hairy. But people, <laughs> but people love that film and they actually talk to one of their surviving guys who made the film who still claims it's real. And then they found the guy who said he got paid like 50 bucks to put the suit on. He's still around, too. And he goes, man, that suit was hot. So All fascinating right. stuff. All right. What's number two? Completely different type of turf. Rutherford Falls on Peacock is a sitcom starring Ed Helms. Everybody knows Ed Helms from The Office and so many other things. And this is really interesting. It's from uh, the creators of Parks and Recreation in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. So you know it's going to have some solid stuff. So Ed Helms plays the guy who's the great, 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 you know, a million times great grandson of the town founder 
of Rutherford Falls, which is in an upstate New York town. And there's a statue of, of the, the founder <laughs> in the middle of the town. And now people want it torn down. Now, that sounds like, oh, this is going to be political commentary. But they don't want it torn down necessarily because this guy had horrible beliefs. It's because it's on the exact spot the town was founded, which is now in the middle of the main street of town. So cars keep crashing into it. So it has a lot of fun with that. But uh, which is really interesting about this sitcom, Row, is uh, it's all about the dynamic between the town founder's family and the Native Americans who have the nearby tribe and the casino and whether or not they were marginalized and pushed aside, which, of course, they were. Uh, a number of Native American actors starring in this and five Native writers in the writing room, which is historic. Yeah, wow. So I think they handle material that could be kind of dicey in a way that's really smart and clever. It's called Rutherford Falls. It's on Peacock. And the thing you should not miss this weekend. Oh, my gosh. Street Gang, how we got to Sesame Street is for anybody who grew up on Sesame Street literally and figuratively, or whose kids or even grandkids by this point who love Sesame Street. It's all about the first 20 years of the show and, and its whole genesis and amazing interviews with some folks who are still around, archival pieces with the likes of Jim Henson. But how the show came to be and, and all the things behind the scenes that made it what it is, it's a great documentary. HBO, Street Gang, how we got to Sesame Street. Good luck. Getting through the Oscars and getting through your Oscar ballot coming up on Sunday. We'll review next Tuesday. The Rowan Roper Podcast is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. AmericanEagle.com is a full-service global digital agency providing best-in-class web design, development, hosting, digital marketing services, and so much more. Visit AmericanEagle.com for more information. Screen Time is executive produced by Renee Nelson and Tim Alanius, our music and production director, Brian Altimer. See you next time.